Chapter Six of the Adventures of Tommy Post Office: The True Story of a Cat, by Gabriel E. Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Fascio. Tommy enters the cat show. It was Tommy's birthday, or more correctly speaking, his anniversary, Thanksgiving Day. Three blissful years had he lived in the post office and ruled as undisputed lord of the place. Cats, mice, and dogs keep off. Tommy's fiat, and as time passed it grew to be carefully heeded. Dogs found it interesting to take a stroll around the block while their masters entered the post office for their mail. Cats scurried along up the opposite side of the street, and never by any chance presumed to invade Tommy's domain. Rats and mice scuttled through the walls of the building to places of safety, and never dared show a whisker. But every rule must have its exceptions. On this fourth Thanksgiving morning, Tommy's bowl was filled with extra creamy milk, and his eyes shone with satisfaction as he settled himself down upon the floor in front of it, and prepared to enjoy his breakfast as only a cat that is entirely convinced of his own value and importance can. Two or three dainty laps were taken, and then he paused, raised his head, and listened. "'What's up, old man?' asked Richard, the colored porter, who had been in the office as many years as Tommy had toes, and who now stood watching the cat eat the breakfast he had brought for him. Tommy laid back his ears, growled an ominous, mmm, and crept toward the door, his eyes glaring and his tail swelling. Come back and eat your breakfast, you old skeezicks. Might tank it wasn't the best cream milk to be had, but just citified blue stuff, was Richard's comment. But Tommy had other concerns, and now stood with his nose to the crack of the door, sniffling and lashing his tail. "'Now what do you hear about thar? Lore seems like the whole post office force, men and boys too, got to wait on you. Getting so mighty uppish and important. Pretty soon won't none of us be able to live with you. Now go long out, if you want her, and like no you won't find no milk when you come back.' I seen a mighty likely-looking cat over on the lawn as I come by me this morning. Tommy paid no heed to Richard, but slipped through the door which was held ajar for him. About ten minutes passed, and then Richard heard the cat's familiar meow demanding admittance. Now just listen at that. Ain't no more than let that cat out, and he hollerin' to come in again. Might think I was just his porter, and had nothin' in the world to do but wait on him. He opened the door, and in walked Tommy, accompanied by his very miniature. Tommy's face and air said, Behold me as I was in my frivolous youth. Treat my protege with respect, or beware. Beside him toddled a kitten so exactly like himself, shrunken to one quarter his own size, that the resemblance was funny to the last degree. The big cat sailed across the room, head up, tail erect, utterly ignoring everyone. The little cat trotted close beside him, head and tail held in exactly the same manner, but its comical little baby face and baby eyes could not assume Tommy's disdain of surroundings, but looked about as though asking, How does it happen that I'm here? Tommy led his charge straight to the bowl of milk, gave a funny little warble, which no doubt meant, Help yourself, and sat down to await developments. The kitten needed no urging. It had probably fasted for hours. It smelt the milk, made a dive for the bowl, and was instantly lost to all the world. Now what do you think of that? 
said Tommy's expression as he looked up at the boys who had gathered about to witness the unwanted sight of Tommy dispensing hospitality to another cat. Never before had he tolerated a rival, much less actually entertained one. Yet here he was, doing the honors of the post office to a scrap of a black kitten, so exactly his own counterpart in color and marking that the boys fairly shouted at the sight. When the kitten's feast was ended, and its little sides were fairly swelling with the quantity it had eaten, Tommy escorted it to the box beneath Mr. Weston's desk, picked it up by its neck, and dropped it in. A few confidences were exchanged in cat language, and then the youngster cuddled down for a nap. Tommy's nursery duties ended. He returned to his bowl, finished the milk, and then sought a bed elsewhere. He drew the line at sleeping in the same box with a kitten. Of all unwise places, he chose a drawer in one of the desks. It was a very deep drawer, and stood conveniently open. So in he crawled and fell sound asleep after his hearty meal, and never knew when the drawer was shut and locked by the day clerk when he took his departure at noon, for business ended at noon on Thanksgiving Day, and only a few clerks would be on duty in the building for the remainder of the day and night. When the night shift came on, there was found sitting beside the empty bowl what seemed to be Tommy shrunken to a quarter of his size. "'Well, I'll be hanged. Say, Frank, have I got him?' called the man who first spied the kitten. "'Is that Tommy shriveled up, or am I seeing things?' The man to whom he spoke came running in, and at sight of the small cat cried, "'Well, you've got him. I have, too. Where did that come from, and where's Tommy?' Call as they might, no Tommy was to be found, until they entered the office of the stamp clerk, where they were greeted by doleful, if smothered, wails of distress. "'Where in thunder is that cat?' cried one of the searchers, peering into the every hole and corner. "'He's in that desk somewhere. That's where he is. Hi, Tommy!' "'Meow!' was wailed from the very innermost recesses of nowhere. Duplicate keys were procured, and when the drawer was unlocked and opened, a forlorn, cramped object crawled out of it, gave a quavering meow, sat down upon the floor, and eyed reproachfully a small black-and-white kitten whose nose just peeped through the door. The week following Thanksgiving, a cat and poultry show was advertised. Now Tommy's pedigree was not patrician. He was just cat. A beauty, to be sure, but blue blood was not within his veins. Nevertheless, the boys decreed that he must enter that show if there was a single aristocratic hair upon him which would entitle him to entrance. A collection was at once taken for an entrance fee, a resplendent new collar bought and put upon his neck, a basket procured, and, escorted by one of the boys, Tommy took a trolley ride to the cat show, which was held in a large building in another quarter of the town. The people who happened to be in the trolley car which conveyed Tommy were not left in any doubt regarding the contents of the basket, but at length he was handed safely at his destination and placed in a cage. The cages were arranged upon low tables in order that big and little visitors alike might see the occupants easily. Tommy stood in the middle of a row, and his neighbors, separated from him by heavy cardboard partitions, alack, they should have been sheet iron, were a blue Maltese, with five tiny kittens, and the beauty of the show, a handsome tortoiseshell with enough angora blood to enable him to claim relationship with royalty. Cats of all degrees, sizes, and colors were there. Tommy could not, of course, see his neighbors, but he well knew they were at hand. 
and how he hated that cage. Bristling with indignation, he retired to the extreme back of it, turned his back upon all comers, and positively refused to look at them. The exhibition was to be held from Monday morning until Saturday evening, ample time for Tommy to distinguish himself. Yet for three days it seemed as though he were destined to return to the post office as lacking of laurels, blue ribbons and such, as any street cat. Not a single trick would he perform, although the man to whose care he was entrusted, and who had been Tommy's intimate friend for the past two years, strove in every way to induce him to show off. Not a bit of it. Then came a delegation of the boys to visit Tommy among the four hundred, and his reputation was saved. They arrived in the very nick of time, for that very afternoon the cat was taken from his cage to the judge's stand. His friends followed close upon his heels, eager to see Tommy do credit to his training, for they knew nothing of his previous conduct. And lo, for love of the gray-coated men who crowded about the platform, and whose coats smelt of the letter pouches, Tommy outdid himself. This was his way of begging to be taken back to the post office by them. But neither the judges nor the admiring public suspected Tommy's ulterior motives, as they exclaimed over his clever tricks. He boxed like a prize-fighter, sang for his dinner, and ate like a boarding-school miss fresh from her seminary when he was placed before a small table with a napkin pinned about his neck. He shook hands with people, was a dead cat or a live one at command, and when his repertoire was ended, walked over to one of the friends and hopped upon his shoulder as though to say, I've done my best. Now please take me home. It can't be done, Tommy, my boy, said the letter carrier. You may as well make up your mind to spend the entire week among the upper ten. Take advantage of your privileges as they come, for there's no telling when new honors will seek you out. So back to his hated cage Tommy had to go, there to display his prize, a blue ribbon specially voted him for general intelligence, and to await the coming Saturday for his release from Durance Vile. At least, so those in authority decreed. They little knew Tommy Post Office. During the afternoon, Miss Westfield brought Barbara to see him, and thus one bright ray shone across his clouded horizon, for Barbara spent more than an hour with him, and Tommy renewed his entreaties to be taken home, greatly to the amusement of several other children who were gathered about his cage at the time. "'We just love to take you home, Tommy,' said the little girl. "'But don't you know that you are a very wonderful cat? And that is the reason the post office people put you here? They want everybody to know about you, so please be a good pussy and don't do a single thing that's naughty, will you?' Tommy looked at Barbara a moment, as though considering before he promised. And then, if ever a cat winked his eye, Tommy winked his. "'Will you bring me to see him again tomorrow, Auntie?' asked the little girl, lingering a moment at parting. "'I would love to, dearie, but you know that I must go to New York tomorrow for my music lesson, so I am afraid that you will not be able to see Tommy at the show again.' Disappointment overspread Barbara's face, for she seemed to feel instinctively that Tommy's reputation for good behavior rested largely with her influence over him. Under what circumstances she next saw that designing cat must be told under the heading of Tommy's Escape. End of chapter 6